welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 26. I'm Brenna Asplund. I'm Andrew Frick. And I am Ryan Lockett. Ryan Lockett comes last in the order this time because he's kind of only half participating as he is actively painting new art for Empires of the Void 2 as we speak. Yeah, I couldn't really take a break, so (laughs) I may not be as uh, strong in the voice this time. (laughs) I'm like over in the corner. (laughs) He has so much work to do that he is multitasking, but... He so strongly wants to still, you know, be there for his podcast fans that we're, we're doing this anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's been like a month since we've done a show, so man, it's this guy works yeah. crazy hard. Yeah, so <laughs> what is going on? How are you guys doing? Good, doing great. Um, we've had a busy month. Yeah, yeah, we've had a lot going on as a company. We've been running the Empires of the Void 2 Kickstarter project, which is uh, going really well, and actually at the time that this podcast goes up, it will be the final day. So if you haven't backed yet, get on that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for all the support, everybody. It's been way exciting. Yeah. So. yeah it's been lots awesome. of community, awesome. lots of participation. Yeah. It's been cool. And uh, Andrew and Ryan went to the Gamma Trade Show last week. We'll, so you we'll guys want to talk a bit about that? We'll back up, Brennan. Even since our last recording, we've been to SaltCon, all oh, of us. Oh, that's true. And then we went to Gamma, and then there was some MeepleCon in there. So we've had three conventions in the time of our last recording. Yeah. Well, when we were all together, to be fair. Renna, you did the two recordings in between that time. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's definitely been a busy month, you know, running running the Kickstarter. So. <laughs> and going to multiple yeah. conventions. Right. But it's been exciting, you know. We've had a lot of fun developments on the Kickstarter. We've changed a couple crazy things, and... Uh, I'm really excited about where the game is in Pirates of the Void 2. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think we all share that sentiment. Every time we've, we've had a play test, uh, you know, and it's been really exciting uh, seeing some of those developments come along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, cool. and who won our last play test? That is a good question. Actually, it was Brenna again. Actually, uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It, it was, was Andrew. Andrew. Whoa, is this yes. like a precedent? <laughs> On air, you guys catching this? This is great. This is like a monumental, historic moment. Credit where credit's due. Andrew beat me. Thank you. I humbly accept this uh, this award on behalf of the Red Raven Games podcast. We are still uh, undefeated as a team. He got he got an incredibly good score on the mid game scoring. Yeah, but we both tried to catch up, but it was a little too hard. We were were really close. Yeah, we were very close to catching up with him, but he still beat us. Luckily, we didn't record it because if we had, we probably would have caught that I won by making mistakes like we did on our playthrough video. (laughs) I haven't lived that one down yet. Ah! Plus all the swear words. Oh yeah. No, just kidding. Have to edit a lot out when I play. (laughs) There were maybe a couple. <laughs> but only only the nicer swear words. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm working on it. So um, let's uh, let's talk about. It's been a while. Have you played any interesting games since our last episode? Oh man, it's it's funny because you know I feel like our first our our last couple of episodes before this break. You know, I was kind of struggling to find things to talk about for new games. Yeah. Since then, I've played so many new games. Yeah. Both tabletop and video games. All right. So, so like, first off, I'll, I'll probably go in more detail on the tabletop games since that's sort of the focus of the podcast. But I got 
I got this game that uh, had been on Kickstarter, but I just bought it off of the company's website. Oh, yeah. Called Not Dice. And oh. that's spelled K-N-O-T. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, I remember and, seeing this, I think. Yeah, so it's the so it's the set of dice that have these Celtic knot patterns on them. And each side of the six-sided die is sort of a different shape of this Celtic knot. Okay. And, and some of them have faces that are open and some of them have faces that are closed. And it comes with a whole book of a bunch of like puzzles that you can just play on your own and also like sort of competitive games that mostly involve, you know, rolling these dice or setting these dice up in a particular pattern and then trying to manipulate the dice to get them to form a closed knot. So you're trying to get it to be sort of a legal Celtic knot with all of the faces closed, no open faces leading to any, like, dead ends, like, everything connected. And, like, I played tons of the puzzles by myself, had a really good time with it, I tried some of the competitive games with my little sisters. They all had a blast. Like, it's a really fun, like, clever, just neat little puzzle game, you know? Yeah, it uses dice. It uses dice. Solely dice. Just dice. Okay, cool. So do you pull from a a pool, a common pool, when you're making your own knots? Like, do you roll them all and then you pull from a pool? Well, it depends on which game you're playing because there's multiple of them. The main competitive mode, the one that we played, is that everyone has a set number of dice. So I think... In like a two-player game, each player has nine dice, and then you roll all of them, and then it's sort of a race where you're trying to get a finished knot. So you roll the dice, and then you're moving the dice to try to finish the knot, and you can re-roll the dice as much as you want, but you can't move them to another face. Okay. Like yeah, so, without rolling them, you okay. have to sort of randomize them so is to this get like different faces. So like a frantic faces. sort of uh, real time yes. thing. Okay, <laughs> okay that's gotcha. cool. Yes, and uh, but the puzzle game that I played with it because there's a bunch of different puzzles too, was that it would give you a picture that was a set, like setup of the dice. You'd have to put them on a certain face and facing in a certain direction in like a square. Okay. And then you slide them around like a sliding puzzle with these certain rules. Like you can, um, you can translate a row all the way over to the other side, oh, and neat. you can sort of trade some of the like one dice on the outside for a different dice on the outside. But you can't like trade dice in the middle of the pattern. So the only way to move the middle of the pattern is to translate whole sides of it. Right. You'll each take turns, or are you all working together? This is just a solo. Thing. Oh, those this are still is the a solo, solo stuff. One. Okay. Um. So for the solo puzzle, your goal is to just try to get it into a into a closed knot in like the smallest amount of moves possible. Okay. So you're trying to quickly from this sort of set puzzle like solve it and get it into the right pattern. Oh nice. And I had a lot of fun with that one, but I like puzzles like that. Yeah. So, it almost felt cuz there cuz it has a whole series of these in a row and I was kind of going through them systematically. It almost felt like sort of an app puzzle game that you'd play on your phone but physically with the dice in front of you like a real world puzzle app, but I had a really good time with it. That's cool. Neat. Um, I'm going to, instead of going through too much detail on the games I played, I'm just going to make a list. I'm making a list right now of the games I played, because there's been too many, and I, and then you guys, why don't you guys tell me which one you think sounds the most interesting. Ryan, you'll just say, why don't you talk about this one? So here's my list. Uh, Okay. So I'm just going to list them up. So I played um, Abyss at uh, SaltCon, 
a while ago. I think I played this one uh, with Ryan. Um, I played Oceanos, also at SaltCon. Uh, I had a game out with some buddies a few weeks back. We played Tyrants of the Underdark for the first time, Paris Connection, and Russian Railroads. And then in uh, at home, I played a couple of games of Legend of Andor, so still playing that campaign out. And then finally, my last game night this last weekend, I got a chance to play again Captain Sonar, a few games of that. Okay, yeah. And then we played Inish. So I got to find. Okay. I, I played my new copy. I finally picked it up myself, and so we played that. We did that for St. Patty's Day. We thought that would be a good, appropriate one to play. Nice. Yeah, All right, guys. So which one should I talk about? Okay. So I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say about Captain Sonar. Okay. Again. So I played Captain Sonar. My first experience, I played it like late at night or like midnight, and <laughs> it's a very frenetic game. If you don't know much about it, it's a Roberta Fraga. And he's the guy, guy, he makes a lot of like children's game where it's like very dexterity based. We have like cooking pots and you're shaking them and you're taking salt shakers and you're dumping little cubes out of them or you're like trying to catch things on in little frying pans. So very dexterity, silly. So this is a game that's like a super glorified, crazy uh, version of Battleship in real time. Mm. It has a giant DM screen that's like split across the table and it separates four people from four people. So you can basically play this game with eight players. I think you can play it with like five or more, but ideally each person will be best with eight because each person has a station on the submarine. So one person's like communications officer, somebody else is the engineer, somebody else is the first mate, and somebody else is the captain. And they're all doing their own role in real time while the other team's doing the same. And so one person will have like a grid and they're listening to the other team, like through the communicator, to hear what direction they're going. And they're drawing it out. And then they're taking this plastic sheet and trying to set it on their map to try to figure out where they could be without running into islands or into obstacles. So they're trying to map out their path. And once they think they know where they're at, they can take their own route and try to like line it up so they can get within so many spaces of this other place and then like torpedo it and like try to hit and then they ask the other team the other team's like it's a direct hit or it's indirect hit and so it's very much kind of like a battleship kind of game but you're you're playing in real time now my next my most recent experience of this the group was all new i was the only one who played it and i didn't know the rules well enough to teach it so we played it in a method that was not in real time you play it turn-based so you each take turns back and forth let me just tell you if you have high blood pressure or you get easily stressed, don't play the real-time experience your first time. But but doing it turn-based is much more mellow and a relaxing and very fun experience. Now that we've... Well, we did it twice. We played two full games of it in the turn-based uh, approach. And that was a lot of fun. But the irony here is now that I've done it in the turn-based mode and I know it pretty well, I kind of want to play it the real-time way again because... When you're both teams going at the same time, it's just this craziness. There's an intensity of that experience. It plays in like 20 minutes exactly or like less, you know, depending how long it is. But it's about 20 minutes and it's so tense. It creates like this very like muscle memory experience because it's kind of like a, you know, when you have like a traumatic experience, you remember, well, when you're playing a stressful game in real time against another ship and you're sweating, you're like, you've taken three out of four damage or you're almost <laughs> dead and it could be either team. And if you get them before they get you... So anyways, that's a very fun experience. Have you played this one, uh, either of you? Yeah, I played it uh, late, late at night, that one game, um, oh, yeah. a while ago. Yeah. And uh, it is such a, it's such a fun game, you know? And I, I kept thinking about getting it, but the problem is 
it would be hard to play. You with know? eight people. Because you have to get eight. You really need eight for the... Can you can you play with less? I, I guess you could play with fewer people. You could play with It was with either six. four or five, I think, okay. is the minimum. Oh, four or but five. But each person okay. has to run multiple roles, and yeah. that's even more stressful. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the best experience. you got to have eight. And I rarely do I have eight people... That, that would be interested in, in trying it. Right. <laughs> it sounds really interesting, though. Like, it sounds really different because yeah. you don't often have that sort of team versus team play in a board game. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like, it's fairly common in video games and obviously sports, but that's you don't get that four versus four a lot in, in board games. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's certainly the kind of game that... Uh, lends itself to being played more in a convention setting. Yeah, it's can... definitely like a convention game, isn't it? I think so. I mean, just because the player count. Again, it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, we were going to have two tables of four, and we decided to do, hey, we're eight people. We have this one. We've been talking about it. Let's do it, and let's all play. And so that was fun. But we were trying to do games themed for St. Patrick's Day, so we called it Captain Osonar, just to make it a little <laughs> bit more thematic. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, that was my experience. So, Ryan, did you play any games? Um, I have not played much except for Empires of the Void 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to get all I'm that playtesting in uh, there as much as you was can. It, was it fun? It was fun. <laughs> it was a great game. I thought it was a great game. No, actually, I'm thinking we played... Um, what was that uh, game you, you and I played with the fields... Um, the Japanese fields and on the cards when we were at the Gamma Trade Show. Oh, it was like Honshu or something Renegade like Renegade Game that. is is uh, publishing it, Renegade Games. Yeah, and Lada Polite, I think, yeah. the guys that did like Eclipse yeah. and such. Yeah. Um, I liked it. It was interesting. It was like a there, there was sort of a bid for these cards, and the cards have little fields on them and buildings, and they're like, it's like a little cityscape you're looking down on. It's like a mini Sim City, I guess. Yeah. And it's like, but it's a, it seemed like a, is it a Japanese setting? I, I, think, I so. think so. But, yeah. Anyway, um, so you'll bid for these cards and then you'll place them in your own little city that you're making and you'll place parts, uh, each piece of the card over another piece. So the cards are split into like six blocks. Six or eight. Six uh, or eight, something like that. And you have to decide what pieces to cover up. And uh, anyway, I thought it was, it was really interesting. Yeah, and, like, that does you, sound interesting. You get resources and you're trying to match them up with factories because when you you can send a resource to a factory and it's worth points. And mm-hmm. It's a simple uh, drafting sort of game, but I liked the spatial build your city element a yeah, lot. Yeah, the cards laying on top of other cards, they always have to cover at least one cube. So if the card was split, like half the card has four cubes and the other half of the card had four cubes so there might be two fields diagonally opposite each other and then maybe two building pieces next to each other so the way you lay these out you're trying to get another card to maybe have two building pieces so that a first and a third card uh, while connected suddenly makes your building chain be like an L shape and now it's like four buildings are adjacent to each other and that makes the building group worth more points at the end of the game yeah. and things like that yeah. yeah. but then as you place cards you're like ah oh, I've got to cancel out these landscapes to add this other and so you have to constantly kind of decide how you use it yeah i like that because it, it used a really it was essentially a trick-taking game yeah a little bit yeah it, there was some trick-taking on, on the bidding the part bidding part for the cards and then you play have... cards from your hand but you don't necessarily get the card you played from your hand it's like the player who played the card with the higher number gets to choose first from all the cards because huh. the cards have these little numbers on them 
Right. Anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, Brenna. Cool. So well, the other tabletop game I played recently yeah. is last night. I had my second session of the Pathfinder campaign that I'm running. Oh and, yeah. Um, that was really exciting. I definitely I took a lot of lessons from the first session that was kind of chaotic. And I actually did draw out a map this time, so we are moving tokens around on a map. Sort of the other cool thing is I commissioned an artist to draw all of the player characters and made tokens out of that art. Oh, really? So we got customized sort of avatars for all the characters, so that was kind of neat. Wow. Um, This session definitely went a whole lot smoother with the map and... Uh, the icons, so it was a lot sort of easier to see what was going on. Last time it ran three hours. This time it only ran an hour and a half. Oh so it wow! So much. It was <laughs> much shorter and smoother, and still I still had all ten player characters. So still a lot of people. Everyone everyone showed up. The one thing is I people weren't laughing as much. Hmm. So I wonder if maybe like it was it was. It went smoother, but it might have been a little less fun. I hope I hope not. I hope they still had a good time wandering <laughs> around the maze I created for them. I think yeah. the intrigue is sometimes as rewarding, but it's, you use a different part of your brain, right? Like having the escapist experience of like, I am bashing skulls with my you know great axe. There's something very satisfying about yes. that. Now... That's I, true. They didn't, I know. didn't make my players fight any dire weasels this time. They did... <laughs> They did have to find their way through a maze and then figure out how to catch this firebird that if they bring it back to the queen, they'll get their greatest wish. Cool. You know, it's this competition, but... I was going to comment and say that, like, it's because it was was only 90 minutes or so you played, I'm like, you must not have had any combats or something. No, there wasn't any combat, (laughs) It's way too short if there were combat. No, they just... (laughs) And they started halfway through the maze because they kind of partially explored the maze last time so basically in that 90 minutes they found their way through half of a maze and then tried to catch a bird but it's like a really powerful bird so it took them a bit now now, is this the maze that they were invited to from like an invitation yes like the the clickbait invitation the clickbait invitation that (laughs) promised them their greatest desire right if they go into this maze and catch this bird okay yeah but only one of them can get it, so things might get chaotic oh, next time. it's like Goblet of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. cool. And then just a quick, just really quick rundown of all the new video games I've played, because there's been a lot of new ones coming out. Yeah. I got Story of Seasons Trio of Towns, which is the latest farming sim in what used to be the Harvest Moon series, but which they can't call Harvest Moon anymore for copyright reasons. Um and now I you've got, got three series to buy from. I know, right? <laughs> Except I won't. I refuse to buy the new uh, English games that are called Harvest Moon that are made by the company that used to translate the Japanese games. They have the copyright, so now they make their own games, but they're crappy. They need this like they're bad confusing. knockoff games. They're shovelware. It, it, the new Harvest Moon games are shovelware, yeah, but we and they're a, not really Harvest Moon. There needs to be another title for this to, to, to determine or distinguish. These Harvest Moon-like games that aren't Harvest Moon. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, what makes it even more confusing is that the Harvest Moon-like games that aren't Harvest Moon are now called Harvest Moon because they have the rights to the title. <laughs> oh, my but the one that actually is Harvest Moon is called Story of Seasons. Story of Seasons. So 
Anyway, that's been really fun, and I got Mass Effect Andromeda, which I played oh, a little bit of. Yeah. Um, I also my my brother's roommate is gonna lend me his Nintendo Switch, and Whoa. I'm gonna play the Splatoon 2 test fire this week, and probably maybe some Zelda. Wow. And he's also lending me Near Automata, so I've got a lot of games to play right now. <laughs> yeah, I was just at. I was by the GameStop today, and there was a big line out the door, and they were waiting for the UPS guy to get there. Yeah. With the Switch, and and the guy came with some boxes, and they didn't have any Switch oh, no. systems in it. Oh, <laughs> and so they, sad. They, the, the store owner was like, yeah, sorry, guys. And there was like, there were like 30 people. Like, oh, jeez. You know. Yeah, there's been, a, sad. there's been a big <laughs> buzz online about how GameStops were supposed to be getting in a new shipment of switches today so that's oh, probably okay, why they that's all showed why. up okay nice yeah well i went next door and got donuts instead so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well i have to indulge one more thing too really okay. quickly we've talked about video games we've talked about games uh i want to talk about some of the movies and media i've been watching recently and uh maybe i'll let you guys talk about two of them or i'll nudge nudge hope that you guys talk okay. about them the one that I'm really excited, I, I finished watching, I watched from start to finish the first two seasons of the Star Wars Rebels show. And I gotta say, this show is really good. Uh, I, mix, I like it, I, lo- I like the characters a lot, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so it's really neat to see them fill in the mythology. What I thought was interesting as I was watching like YouTube videos online or fan talk about it, is that this show is, for a younger generation more popular than the original Star Wars trilogy. Like, it is the essential Star Wars, like, canon content. And that was kind of mind-blowing to me, because, like, at my, you know, uh, you know, as a as a 33-year-old white male, uh, I kind of, you know, assume that everyone associates and connects with the original trilogy, and that is their core uh, basis and foundation in Star Wars. But that's not all the case anymore, is it? For a lot of, the, like, the younger generations, that's changed a lot. Yeah. So... That's been interesting, but the show, if that's all you had for Star Wars and that's where you start out, hey, it's its pretty good, you know, <laughs> so I can't i can't uh, fault anyone for feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I really want to see, but, uh, you know, the time yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I haven't even seen a lot of the, the Clone Wars either. I've seen uh, a bit of the first season, but yeah. I well, definitely want to watch some of this. You get my recommendation. All Absolutely. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking about visual media, yes. uh, I feel like I need to mention there's a there's a show called March Comes In Like a Lion that's an anime that's on – it's available on Crunchyroll. You can watch it for free. And it just – the final episode of the season just aired this week. So it's kind of been on my mind. But the reason why I would mention it on this podcast is because it's about – this high school boy who's a professional shogi player, and he became a professional shogi player back in middle school. Now, what is and, shogi, for those that don't know? Yeah, I was about to go into that. So shogi is sort of like a Japanese version of chess. So it's a board game. Okay. Um, it's slightly more complicated than chess in some ways. There's different pieces that can move in different ways than an American chess. And also one of the big differences is that... Um, once you take someone else's piece and you take it off the board, then under certain circumstances, you can put that back on the board. You can bring pieces back into play after they've oh. been taken out. Okay. Um, and the show actually does kind of explain the rules of Shogi a bit as it goes along. But it's probably my favorite series right now. It's really good. It kind of starts out super depressing. 
Yeah. And it has pretty dark moments throughout it because this kid, um, Kiriyama is his name, has had a pretty rough life. Right. Uh, but it kind of slowly gets happier over time. So in a way, it almost feels kind of like a reverse tragedy. Like it starts out super sad, but then it gets slightly better. And it's kind of, you know, heartwarming in that way. Because, you you know, you feel better over time. Now with the name, is is it the same company that did the Your Lie in April? No. It's just, it just coincidentally. No, it just coincidentally similar. has similar names okay. and sort of similar Characters. tones. Oh, tones. Okay. But okay. yeah. Gotcha. And then also, just Logan was a really good movie. I saw it twice. <laughs> I saw it twice in theaters. Yeah. It's very tragic. I kind of like sad stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that one, Ryan? Not yet. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, okay. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Gotta see it. It's good, but steal yourself. You uh, yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Empires of the Void 2 and what yeah, we've been sure. doing on it. So. During the campaign, we changed from tiles to the big board, and now we have planet tiles, so you can move those around and randomize the game every time, and also play in explore mode, because you can turn them upside down, right? Okay, right, cool, yeah. cool. So we've been having fun with that. Um, so the other thing we've been excited about are the new events we've been working on and all the, the crazy things that can happen in the game. Um, right now, I'm actually starting, I'm, I'm illustrating uh, one of the action cards, but I'm hoping, well, the, the goal with these cards is to make sure that, well, to help players visualize the actions that they're taking. So like when they play a card, they'll see kind of what they're doing. So we're going to have a lot of more specific, um, illustrations. I think in the Kickstarter so far, we've just been showing like kind of basic landscapes of the, of the planets, but that won't be the how all the cards are in the final version. Yeah, that's really exciting. And the action cards are already really exciting. Like, they're one of the funnest parts of the game. When you get to play an action card or, like, a mission card, and you get to sort of fulfill some little requirement and get a bunch of, uh, like, influence or points for that. Yeah, get yeah. Get some incentive to do different things in the game. Yeah, like, totally. So I've talked before in our episode where we talked a lot about different farming sims. I went into a bit how I like games that incentivize you and reward you just for playing the game normally. Like how in Harvest Moon Magical Melody, you'd get these music notes just for like doing your basic farming or you'd get one just for sitting still for a long time. Like you get rewarded for doing all sorts of things in the game. And I want to say that Empires of the Void 2 does that for me. Oh, yeah. Like that you get these little rewards for accomplishing so many things in the game. And you have all these incentives to go out and to try out different game mechanics and to do different things and to sort of experience the whole game. Part of that comes from the mission cards where some of them will encourage you to like go attack someone. And even so even if you're the kind of person who doesn't normally like to attack people... It's maybe fun because then you're like, oh, I can go do this and I can fulfill this card. I can get something extra out of it. I don't feel like I'm just being mean by attacking this person. I think it's important to know. I feel like I have a reason to. That you, Brenna, and me, we are not the kind of players who typically (laughs) are are that way. I'm like the attacky player. Ryan is the attacker. (laughs) (laughs) And there's also, also, you start out the game uh, with a secret objective card and you can get more of them throughout the game. That, can, that give you some victory points at the end of the game for things like 
uh, having your sh- having ships in orbit around four different planets oh, or yeah. uh, sort of other sort of smaller mundane things like that, you can get victory points for. So again, that's an incentive just to play the basic game and you feel rewarded for doing things, like even little things. And yeah. I really like that. Yeah, cool. One thing I want to... Last time we played, uh, one thing I want to share that I enjoyed so um, that I hadn't really noticed as much before but so the map when you're moving around it has obstacles so there are some paths you can take that are safer and then some paths that you have to pass like through an asteroid field or like you have to get past an, a monster or mines or something and you have to when you try it you have to roll and if you fail you can try again but every time you try it costs command and so I had this thing I wanted to get up so I could pick up some cargo and I had two paths one path would take me like two turns to get over there. Like it, it took too long. Um, so it would have been like a really long journey. And then one path was like faster, but I had to like get through this um, asteroid, these asteroids and like a monster. And so it was kind of fun. I'm like, okay, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to go the dangerous route to see if I make it because I could, it, it could have been risky and I could have like had to stop in the middle, but it was a really fun story. So I like, I'm going through the asteroids and I fail and then I try again and I make it. And then I have that one last path and it's like, if I don't roll just right, then I won't get there. Right. But it was, it was a fun push your luck thing. And it t- sort of told the story. Like we went the dangerous way. And it was exciting because you did. And I did make it. You did make it. <laughs> <laughs> it costs like one extra command, but the other way it would have taken longer. A lot so, longer. And then yeah. I picked up some cargo and then I delivered it. And yeah. Yeah. I also had sort of a fun moment in our last game with a sort of a push your luck as a last ditch effort to complete whatever plan it is that you need to do. Yeah. Cause like at the very end of the game, sort of my whole game was built around getting texts because one of the texts that my, uh, that the EG have, that the EG have was to get three victory points. If you have all of your texts completed yeah. and it was like almost the end of the game, I could see that the deck was running out, that the game was going to end soon. And, but I needed different goods to place on my texts. So I went to this space oh, yeah. station where you can take a pass action to spend some money to get a random good. Right. And I did it the first time. I didn't get the tech that I needed. And then it was like my very last turn because the game had been ended and we were going around taking our final turns before oh, the yeah. last scoring. This is like your last my action. My last action. Well, my last pass oh, action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had one action where I could choose. But my very last pass action, I did it again. And I got the one that I wanted. So I just barely squeaked by at the end of the yeah. game to finish my plan and get that completed. Oh, yeah. And that and whole it, thing was worth, like, nine points. Yeah. So it was worth it was a, a lot. It a big deal. And, like, I didn't win the game. Yeah. But I still I felt accomplished because I got yes, that plan got complete. Yeah. And I I gambled at the end there, and it paid off, which, yeah. is, which is a good feeling. Yeah, that's why, you know, I, I like the attribute cards for that reason. Those are sort of the long-term goals you have. Usually, it's hard to complete all of them. In fact, it's usually hard to complete any of them, but yeah. they sort of give you a long goal. And, and, and last time, I, I had completed one and almost a second one. Um, but uh, those are interesting. I, I actually think we're going to change the name of those uh, to something else. Um, seems like attribute is confusing people. Yeah. I was thinking secret objective, but uh, some people on the Kickstarter were saying uh, empire, empire cards. cards. Which I like yeah. that. Maybe we'll do that. But it was neat because I think people were understanding that this is my this is my remnant, right? And here we are. Yeah. And I'm now a loyal 
imperialistic, right? You know, all yeah. these different things. And yeah. you, you mm-hmm. kind of feel like as you accomplish those things, you're sensing that like, you know, your personality is developing of that that type of, I don't know if you call it nation. They're not really a nation if there's in space. What are they called? Uh, what do we call uh, one? A remnant, I guess. A remnant. I so, don't know. <laughs> but, but I like that. I think you know, empire kind of more. It's the type of empire. That's not a bad one. Was, that was a what's career. funny? What's funny about using the word remnant is that so Mass Effect Andromeda just came out, uh-huh. which honestly has a very similar premise to Empires of the Void oh, too. Oh, you know what? Ooh. I just read the premise today. Yeah. And I was like, oh. This is interesting. Yeah, you're coming. You're you're yeah. coming with your world ships, your uh, sort of sleeper ships? ships. I don't oh, think that okay. they don't. They okay. call them arcs. Is okay. what they call arcs. them. Okay. Nice. Carrying these uh, sort of sleeping colonists in their 600 year journey from uh, the Milky yeah. Way over to this new area, and you're trying to settle these planets that some of them have sort of hostile aliens on oh, them living right. there already, yeah. and there's different stuff on all the planets. That but sounds awesome. The, but the funny, the funny connection that I was making there is that uh, there's these ancient aliens that have left these artifacts behind, kind of like the Protheans in the original Mass Effect trilogy. Yeah. But in this one, they call them the Remnant. Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, we better avoid that word. <laughs> That's very, it kind of has a lot of Exodus imagery, it sounds but it's, like. But it's cool. fun. Yeah, no, it's like... Uh, settling, settling new galaxies is in the zeitgeist now, so we're just we're on trend with okay. Empires of the Void. So. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're out of time. Thank you for joining us, and uh, you can visit our website at red. Let's see, redravengames.com. You can follow us on Twitter at redravengame. You can follow me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Asplund. And if you want to chat with me on Board Game Geek. My username is Wisp Walker. You can yeah. add me as a board game geek buddy. Yeah. So um, thank you again so much for uh, checking out our Kickstarter, for backing, for all the support and the feedback. We we so appreciate it. If you're listening to this on Thursday, definitely go and check out the page. You still have a bit of time left. We'd like to say thank you to Fluid Volt for the use of our theme song, Doggy Goes Moo, off the album Clay Memory. You can find more of their music online at soundcloud.com slash fluidvolt. And I believe that's it. Well, I have one very last thing. I want to give a special thank you and shout out to our volunteers who helped us back at SaltCon. We had a really great group of volunteers. And um, if you're listening to any volunteers, great job. Thanks again for all your help. Yeah, thank you. All right. Have a good, have a good week. Play some fun games. Nevermore.